Well, welcome to this conversation. I'm Sam Folds, and I'm delighted to be here with an old friend of mine, Mark Wally. Mark, great to see you. Hi, Sam. Good to be here. Thanks for, for joining us on this. Mark's a curate at St. Barnabas, Middlesbrough, um, with a task of overseeing the, the kids and youth work, among many other things, I'm sure. Um, Mark, tell us a bit about yourself, about what you do. Yeah, Sam, uh, introduce me, my name's Mark. I am oh, from all over the place. I've moved around a lot, but for before Curacy, I was in London for 13 years um, in central London there. And part of that was doing youth work with um, uh, non-Christian children, so evangelism, mission, that kind of stuff, part of a community centre attached to a church. Um, then uh, selected for vicar training and went off, uh, stayed actually in central London and went up to Oak Hill to train and sort of commuted there sort of five days a week and then was um, released from London and ended up through a series of like obvious providential things happening ended up in Middlesbrough which most of you don't even know where it is on a map we've never been to because off the, the east side of the A1 so we'll just drive past it on the way up north but it's a great place to be um, like everyone's really open it's wonderful in terms of like uh, the, the surrounding countryside but as a place itself fully welcoming and people will chat to you about God quite easily which is great for kind of ministry and mission there's no kind of shame in people going asking questions of you and stuff like that so we've been here I said we my wife two kids have been here for um just under two years it's two years next week we've been around we've been in Middlesbrough for fantastic well we we know each other from those days in London uh, we were both working at the the All Souls Clubhouse Central London you were Youth worker, I was uh, doing an apprenticeship. Everything. At the time. Yeah, well, <laughs> yeah, it felt like that at times. But yeah. it was, I was saying to you earlier, that was such a, a precious and formative time uh, for me there. And I valued your friendship there. And it's just great that we're able to, to have this conversation now. And we're going to talk about, about Jesus, about church. And the vision really of, of these conversations mm -hmm. is to enlarge our vision of Jesus and his church. And uh, so we'll, we'll talk about uh, that in a moment. And also I want to draw on your, your wisdom and your experience regarding uh, youth and, and kids work. So we'll, we'll, we'll touch on that a bit later on. So let me, let me start with the, the question I really ask everyone to begin with. What, what is church? So I guess if, if I'm asked that question, it's often by someone like in a street or wants to know like what I do or what we do as a church. So when someone asks that, I kind of think, well, church, it's, we're thinking about that, that local gathering of God's people who all come together as like a particular like representation of God's family. So that's like the close, immediate kind of family. If you like, um, I guess, lockdown illustration, it's like the bubble that you're kind of with. You know, we're, we're members of this worldwide universal church family, but your particular bubble is your local church. These are the people who day to day with you're, you're living with and involved with and you're kind of following Jesus together you know, led in that kind of congregation. So that's kind of how I, I see a church. Like these are God's people who are gathering together. And these pe particular people in this church are my immediate kind of close brothers and sisters. Not that the other church down the road aren't, but just these are the ones that I particularly got, you know, a call to, to serve and to love and, and to love one another, you know, to kind of care for one another. It's this particular concern of people there. So that's why I think when I think of church, I always like it at communion, and this isn't quite the same during lockdown, but you know, when you're, you kind of say there's the body of Christ broken for you, it's like all those people in the church, and you, and you ideally, you're giving it to every person, saying the words and giving the wine, saying to every word, it's like, you know, the body of Christ, and, and those people there, like this is our particular, it's a family. Not that people aren't welcome into that, but it's just that's the, 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 
the local representation of God's people gathered together to, to worship and praise him through Jesus. Fantastic. I'm just making uh, making notes down, down here. So that's the first time someone's used, a, I think, a COVID analogy, the word bubble uh, to describe <laughs> describe church. I like it. I yeah, like I think it. that's part of the COVID regulations. You're not in one bubble with the entire church. That is definitely a <laughs> yeah, regulation. Yeah, exactly. But great. So you, you use words like together and gathering and family and local, yeah. uh, but also th this word particular. Um, so there's something about the, the local church, this particular group of people that's important for you uh, uh, when you're thinking about church. And um, like, can you help us uh, kind of in scripture, where would you be, be going for, for, where would you be turning to uh, for, for some of that? Well, I'm trying to think if I'd have particular like scriptures in one sense, like the, the, I, maybe at the start of Revelation, we have the angel of this particular church. And I, I know some people say, well, that's just the nature of people lived in one area and didn't really move around. And, and partly that's true. You know, Paul's writing before the invention of the automobile, right? But, but at the same time, it does seem to be a sense of which like there is a local area and these people are, are particularly have a call. So maybe a more pragmatic kind of thing of actually you're just going to be in relationship as part of a church with certain people who are going to be in that normally particular area. I know people will come from a while around and that's fine they're part of the church too don't get me wrong but it feels like there's that that set aside like God looks and goes this is the church of St Barnabas and these are the people there and I guess as as a, a vicar saying these are the flock I have been given like these are the people I have to care for and these are the ones I have responsibility to sort of pray for and worry and have sleepless nights over as you know sort of thing that that's that's my job and, and I don't really therefore have to worry so much about the other church down the road or I don't at all and there's an Anglican sense of which I also go and also I have my my particular parish or I share a parish with my training incumbent and, and the other staff there go, this is the, our particular patch mm -hmm. and again not saying people can't come outside but go, these are the ones that I have to worry about and also the sense I have to bear a responsibility for on that final day of going actually these are the ones placed into my care these are the ones that Jesus said, did you tell them faithfully what was, you know, the truth and all the rest of it stuff, that, that, that idea of being a watchman for, for these particular people. And to not, it's, it's quite liberating because I don't really have to worry there for about some other patches. Not that you don't want to pray for them and, and see the gospel grow there, but you also go, well, that's not my, it's not my responsibility in one sense. I haven't been given them to care for. And, and when we're talking about loving one another, I go, well, these people here, I worry about loving them and, helping them to love one another in that context and not worrying too much therefore about the other ones, which sounds terrible. I don't really care about the other areas, but it is that sense of God's given us this particular people and focus. Actually, that's, that's really helpful. Like, and obviously in the Old Testament, in, in, in ancient Israel, the, the church, the people of God, the assembly of, of God are kind of geographically located in this, in this one area. And and you kind of get that a bit like post ascension, the church is sort of gathered in Jerusalem, but it's actually, and you get that great vision of church, you know, in Acts 2, they're devoted to apostles' teaching, yeah. red fellowship, prayer, they're all sharing everything they had, you can imagine that they're all in one another's homes and lives, but that doesn't last that long, right? They get, the, the persecution of Stephen happens and persecution sort of drives them apart, and um, but then out of that, like you say, there's all these local churches being being planted and grown uh, across the world. And, yeah, it'd be tempting to think, oh, that's just an accident or it happened because of uh, persecution. But I, I, I think you're right. That God's involved in that, right? 
I think even in the Old Testament, you still get a sense of yeah. the tribes have given their area and that, you know, you have the, you've got your land over the river or you've got your land in the north or the south, or whatever that is. And like Benjamin down, you know, has like, that's your area. And those family units are also kind of part of that. And, and the idea of loving your neighbours, like, well, if your neighbours are, so presumably they're in the field next to you or something. There's a sense in which you still have that local, these are our people here and then kind of that sort of, that, that seems a, a good thing to have. But I mean, it is probably practical practical you can't love you know two billion people who you know confess to christ whatever it is but you can try and love these particular people here that you're given and be part of that that group absolutely really good point actually about israel there um yeah i've been thinking about the book of numbers recently and sometimes when moses is kind of really overwhelmed with all of his responsibilities the lord just brings in new spirit-filled leaders and, and you're right there's those local units and um, that's really helpful and so maybe the church and the new testament are modeling that more than we sometimes imagine yeah I, I i like what you say though as well that there's we are limited creatures and i think you, you mentioned the uh, the anglican parish system and i i too find that quite quite liberating you're right you don't want to get to the point where you're like oh that person lives a foot over my parish boundary yeah, yeah, yeah. I, don't, I don't care about them um no, we don't want to be like that. But uh, but there is something liberating about yeah. These are the people that I'm I'm called to to reach, and let, let's start here. There's something freeing about that, yeah. And even in like the, the last year and a half of like Zoom, YouTube, church, the rest of it, it still feels like well, if like you know you want to get your friend's church or see something else, that's in one sense that's fine. But like it's still you have your church to your part of and bring people into into your this church and because you're accountable to each other and you can care for one another. You're not just an anonymous viewer checking out you know, the big church that does it really well down the road. So actually these are people who are part of my one. They're all my, like, they're the ones on my like Zoom screen in the corner and stuff like that, as opposed to just being, you know, oh, I can pick and choose whatever I want. I don't, yeah, that's, I think that, that thing that's helped Zoom church and YouTube church and online church stay church for me, if you like, is, you know, knowing that these are people who are part of our church who are engaged at the same time, not, it's, we have had random people join us, that's been great, but it's actually knowing that this is our local people joining in and, you know, people in the parish and the congregation there. Yeah, it's, it's a good point. I wanted to pick up on that, actually, because, you know, you, you use the words local and particular and gathered and together. And, you know, obviously this last 15 months has raised lots of questions uh, about church and what church is and is online church legitimate and how important is it to be local to where you gather for worship? And like you just said there, you know, I, I have heard stories of people who, throughout lockdown have just gone to lots of different services or people who are tuning in to church worship that's happening in a completely different city um uh, and obviously th those are things that need to be dealt with but you'd want to say there actually is something important about the local the physical the gathered the particular yeah and like uh, god it's gracious to us in when things are limited, like when we can't leave home because, you know, we're bed bound or because we've got children who are sick or because we're, you know, COVID prevents us from. God is gracious and compassionate. But again, it's you're still, what is the church that I'm part of and I'm accountable for? The, the local body to say, oh, I'm part of the church worldwide. It's like, okay, but who is the person that you're going to, you know, love and pray with and sing songs with? You know, who is the, the person singing to you or speaking to you? Who is the person who's you know um like baking you food when you're ill or looking after your kids or that kind of thing like those are that becomes those are your your people your church right mm -hmm. um so I, I i and again i don't want to reject some people will travel in but if you 
I mean, if it's so far that it's like a struggle for you to actually do those one and other things that the scripture commands us to do, if it's if it's so far away that it's hard to do that, then that's going to be a struggle for you to be part of that local church community. And what that looks like in different contexts going different things, isn't it? Sure. Um, but it's that kind of actually, you know, get you're stuck in somewhere and and these are people who you can care for and they can care for you and like look after you. Mm. So you talk you talked though about this one anothering and uh, you know you've got this vision for church as local and uh, following Jesus together, particular uh, people. Um, talk to us about a bit more about what that looks like on the ground. Like what does it look like for Mark Wally to one another his church family? I guess it's especially like during the last year, just being able to, to text people and say we can see you in the garden, we can see you in the house, we can care for you. And I think what with the the lack of being able to be hospitable to people in the last year has been brutal. Like it's been so limited. Even you know during the the most liberating restrictions, there's still been like basically one other household, mm. you know, in your house at certain times, or a bunch in your garden, which isn't ideal if your garden's not very big. You know, oh, you can have thirty in your garden. It's like that's great if you live in a big detached house with like yeah. a field behind you. For most people, it's not that. You know, <laughs> how how tightly can you stack people behind <laughs> a hedge, right? Yeah. Um, but but. Part of that I guess, a local thing is saying, like, how do we be hospitable to each other? I think there's a very active just having people around your house and welcoming in like that and people from all different backgrounds, but part of your church and whatever that looks like in terms of cultural class or, you know, whatever, um, ethnicity, but having them around your church says something really powerful about the welcome of the gospel, hospitality, you know, this is what Jesus did. He sit and eat with sinners and tax collectors, and I'm one of those sinners too, and so I eat with other people as well so being able to offer that and do that uh, and, and and through that lots of the other things come out of that like being able to encourage one another or or pray with one another or you know whatever it is like find out what other people's needs and see if you can help meet them that happens like often when you're sitting around with each other and chatting to each other so I think that's been a, a big thing and especially even in the last year just trying what are the, op the the possibilities here can we have people in the garden can we have you know someone like go for a walk somewhere with someone what is acceptable things to do can we drop stuff off at your house that is permissible we can do these things as like an act of kindness of you know you need this sort of stuff i mean that, i think that's like in one sense it's fairly mundane isn't it i don't think there's anything super like oh this is like this innovative new way of doing i don't know pastoral care but just being in other people's lives and at placing jesus at the center of those so you're open to talk about him it's not like a kind of oh by the way we should pray at the end of it but just him coming up in conversation or you know oh, you know, praying things or seeing things in the light of of christ and the light of what he's done and and part of that's that reinforcing because so often the the message we hear from the world is is all kinds of things that push against that so like oh you should be really afraid about the the covid 19 and i'm not i'm not a covid denier by any means whatsoever the vaccination is great i am fully like uh, we have to have these lockdowns. I understand that. But but so often the mess has been one of fear and of you need to basically keep these regulations out of a sense of panic and fear and yeah, otherwise you'll kill your grandma, as opposed to a sort of sense of loving your neighbor. And to be able to speak to one another and kind of counteract those things sensibly. Um, there's lots of stuff on the internet about kind of like disinformation of people just reading random stuff in Facebook groups and going on to believe that like the vaccination is the antichrist that's caused by like Obama and Bill Gates or whatever it is and some of that stuff is countered just by people being with normal people I mean, that's not a Christian thing that's just what they've 
was some, seems to be saying that hanging out with a group of other people who aren't just all in the same little mm. you know facebook bubble or whatever it is helps with that and the same with the church is that people hanging out with each other who are people of god's word and prayerful people seem to help inoculate each other to kind of the, the lies of the devil if you like they just point out isn't that ridiculous or go no that is actually quite bad let me pray for you mm. you know when you see something happen you think isn't that just crazy? Like, am I the only thing that's crazy? It's nice I'm Christian. I go, no, no, that is crazy. You're fine. Or go, no, that is totally normal. That's okay. You're right to do that sort of thing. You know, it's that, um, with the, this has been recorded shortly after Matt Hancock, um, was, was mm. caught, you know, in the, in his affair. Mm. And I guess one of the things we've seen in the press is saying, oh, which is worse, like the affair or, or the breach, breach of the COVID rules. And actually it's quite nice to be on Christians going, actually an affair is an abhorrent thing. It's adultery. It's one of the commandments. And actually just held to affirm that with each other. No, that is terrible. Like the, the COVID stuff's awful too, and especially in his position. But being able to actually, with other Christians, just go, oh yeah, no, actually, we shouldn't just go, oh, it's only an affair. It's not an important thing. Go, no, no, that is an important thing. This is, it's one of the top 10, you know what I mean? Like it, it, makes, it makes the 10 list. Oh, Mark. Yeah, so much doing there, actually, just to, uh, to, to mull over. And... Yeah, you're right. I mean, so, so much of what you're saying there, um, you know, it's the ordinary, it's the everyday, it's, you may even call it the, the mundane. Um, but I'm, I'm thinking about the, the Book of Acts, you know, and, and I may have said this in a, in a previous podcast, so forgive me if I have, but, you know, the Book of Acts begins with Jesus ascending to be the, the king of the universe, but it ends with this guy locked up in his house, like welcoming people to his home and just teaching people about Jesus there. And, and to me, there's, there's, a, there's a, the connection there, you know, it, it's, it's not a coincidence that this book that begins with Jesus ascending to the highest heaven ends with just a guy in his home welcoming people and telling them about Jesus. And I think there is a, a deep way in which our ordinary everyday, our meal tables and our homes, our conversations connects us with uh, what Jesus is doing in the highest heaven. So I, I love that, what you say, what you say in there, Mark. And, and I think that really, again, reiterates that need for the, the particular, for the local um, gathering of, of God's people. So thank you so much for that. And um, look, just in terms of, I want to, I want to get into your head and into your experience a little bit about kids and youth work. Um, you, you, you've, you've had a lot of, uh, of experience in that area and your current role, you're overseeing the, the kids and the youth work in, in your church. So why don't you tell us a little bit, tell us a little bit about that. What is your experience to start off with? And then we'll, we'll get into your head a bit. Yeah, so I kind of fell into doing youth because career. I did someone else a teenager, I volunteered at my local like Christian charity drop-in centre, kind of did a gap year and I, I had awful A-levels, like terrible. So I kind of ended up but I said, oh, I can do youth work. I've got some experience and I'll take me on. So I ended up getting uh, a degree in youth and community work and applied theology and ended up at this place called the All Souls Clubhouse, which I know, Sam. And I was kind of overseeing the, um, the youth centre, which is attached to a church and it's kind of um, outreach into the community. And that was like trying to even define what that looked like. It was central London to so lots of kids in um, fairly like significant levels of poverty and, and bizarrely for central London, lack of access. People think of London place where you can get everything and they could just walk to the British Library or Oxford Street or you know any number of museums. They could walk down to Downing Street from where they lived. Um, not that I've done anything, but they could have done. Um, and yet they kind of were struggling to get into lots of these 
young people struggling to get into school, to stay in school and stay in education. They um, weren't like, able to access what people thought was loads of opportunities of jobs and training, just couldn't access. And there's lots of reasons why that were, why that was the case. And so I was involved in that, like, how do you help these people? So how do you integrate like social action and an actual mission too? Because what the danger is, you end up doing loads of good stuff. You can help them into education. They get good jobs. They get a nice house. They marry a beautiful wife or, you know, marry a beautiful husband, um, have kids and, and they die without Christ. Like it, it, you've just kind of helped them to explore some of the depths of the book of Ecclesiastes. They've kind of experienced all the joys of middle-class living and found it meaningless at the end of it. So it's like, how do we present Christ to you, but also be genuinely loving and caring and not just, you know, we want people to join our church, but to say, actually we want you to know Christ because he's the fullness of everything. And we love you and care for you. So we want you to, you know, not wake up in the morning and smoke loads of weed and then skip out of school or not have to feel you have to carry a knife around all the time because that's the way you keep yourself safe. So I was doing that for quite a while. Uh, like in general, didn't really see much fruit. So bits and pieces here and there, but a lot of it felt quite like we're not really seeing much change. And um, for various reasons, that came to an end, and then I ended up going off to um, ordination stuff. One, and and now I'm here as a curate. And one of my roles is to oversee is almost too strong a word, but like have a, a a vision and a kind of an eye on the youth and the children's work here, which is great. But it's it's trying to work out everything interacts and fits together, and how we kind of have a make sure we don't take our eye off the ball for it. So in, in one sense, it's giving someone who's, you know, an ordained person say, actually, this is really important. Therefore, we want someone to have some kind of oversight and responsibility. And just thinking through, I guess, how do the young people and the children fit into the life of the church? So from, from kind of a, a pregnant woman all the way up to a child, you know, uh, heading off to university or kind of getting a, a job and moving out of their parents' home, whatever that is, leaving their parents' home. And how do we what what do we want to see from that child and what do we want to be able to help that child with and how do we want to see them grow and one thing to go what is what is a good outcome and then a good outcome is in a sense the same for for everyone in the church it's to come to know jesus more and to be like captured by his beauty mm -hmm. and to follow him because they love him and know that he is the, the best thing for them and so often i want I, I worry that's missed in children and youth work that we kind of think oh the important thing is they Kind of remain christian which i'm like yeah cool but 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 that's remaining christian is not the thing the thing is to following and loving jesus and knowing his love for you and therefore you're a christian but you kind of have to get that level back so we want to see children who don't just know the scriptures of course you do but who, who delight in christ and go well obviously he's lord and everything and, and that's who i trust in and so obviously i dig into his work because his work and the danger is so often we're kind of like, how do we keep these kids in the church? Or we need to put these activities on or do these bits and pieces and other stuff. And we end up acting like uh, scaffolding that kind of holds them in sort of place. Um, and that's, I don't think that's particularly helpful because they often then get to university and go, great, I don't need that anymore. Like, mm. oh, church is nice. The people there are delightful and lovely. But, but now I've kind of hit the stage, I don't need that anymore. And the thing that keeps people in church is this vision of, Christ and his beauty and his glory and and knowing that he's God and and uh, you know a, he's Lord of all and his father's placed him on the throne and and we stand to account for him it's that kind of getting that in their heads which you want for all the congregation too so it's how do we like enculturate that in into the life of the children and young people and so a good outcome isn't just the child hits 18 and goes off to university where he like gets stuck into the Christian union and finds a good church that is obviously a good outcome but actually more than that we're saying we want this child to go to university or go and get a job in morrison's whatever that is but go oh, i love jesus mm -hmm. and therefore i want to follow him wherever i end up whatever i end up doing 
and you know I'm, I'm, I'm never not therefore being part of this church of people who love and adore Jesus and kind of that's the atmosphere I live in yeah and we were speaking earlier I mean obviously this this podcast has an eye towards uh, church planting church revitalizations in particular small church plants and you know it's often the case that, uh, that those kind of churches aren't able to employ uh, a youth worker or a kids worker so how, how do we how do we disciple the children and the young people in our in our churches and give them this vision of Jesus worth worth living for I think if your if your aim is to do stuff to kind of retain these people in church I'll put it really bluntly then you often do need to bring in more stuff like people to do things activities you see it really crassly sometimes like we'll just have like a giveaway or we'll like get bouncy castles every week and I don't think we'd, we'd people know that's not authentic it's just bribing them with that like, cool stuff but even sometimes it's like we'll, we'll we'll do these really like imaginative things but even then it's still kind of like we want to retain hold on to you with all the things that church does as opposed to with the person of christ and, and well, but once you switch saying what we want you to do is to capture a vision of jesus that he's beautiful and glorious and you know follow him and we're praying that, that jesus will work in your heart and hope it will work in your heart so you'll see the salvation then actually i think you can feel content with simpler stuff because what you want is not the thing the things that are going to hold them up is is the vision of christ and another thing that i mean i know you'll often see talks about people go oh, what teenagers really want especially teenagers is like a group of lots of peers who follow jesus which is great like having teenagers having peers who follow jesus is brilliant but what's also the case is you need to have um teenagers especially and younger children too who see people of all age ranges following jesus and the danger in some of the bigger stuff, we silo off our different age groups. So, you go, oh, that's the service in the morning where, you know, the, the kind of the families come to it and the kids go out fairly early on and the teenagers start in a different room. And then the, but the students go to an evening service and then the old people come to the early morning service. And so you end up every kind of mm-hmm. Sunday service you have being quite like age you know, banded and say, oh, a 60-year-old in the evening service, that's a bit odd. Or, you know, like a teenager's come to 9 a.m., what's that about? But the problem with that is that um, teenagers, and I say this because I think some of the research shows this, um, yeah, there's a person called Ken DeCreasy Dean who talks some of this on her research about uh, faith formation and about seeing that full range of people who are trusting Jesus. So having the uncles in your church or the grandparents or helping out with the kids' work as a 14, 15-year-old, again, can you assist with this? And those things come more naturally at smaller churches. Actually being able to have like, oh, we've had some teenagers around for lunch because there's only like five or six of them. Or they've got invested in the music group because, okay, they're not great. They're 13 and their drumming is pretty like, they do one at one drumming. That's it. You know, they have four, four and we can make it. Um, but, but that actually gets them involved. And then they're talking to the person who's playing piano, who's a 60 year old retired, you know, whatever it is. Or it's that kind of thing actually is really effective and really good. And that's something that small churches excel at without often thinking about it. Um, and in a way, large churches have to often struggle to go, how do we get our teenagers to, to do stuff with our older people and, and love them and care for them? So that's, I, th- I find it quite encouraging that, you know, if you have like three or four teenagers, then that's okay. If you're embracing them, getting them fully involved in the life of the church, and they're hearing all these different people saying, this is how I follow Jesus through my life, and this is yeah. how I've been cared for and looked after and stuff like that. Um, and I think, yeah. Yeah. Sorry, Mark. After you. No, no, I, I, I was done. You are going to say something, Sam? No, I, I really, really like that. I think that's a great thing. It comes back, actually, to what you were saying right at the beginning, this, this vision of church as family, like all ages coming together. And, yeah, I'm just thinking back to, like, last Sunday, 
um, actually Sunday before that, were just a bunch of us went to the park after the, 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 the church, church service and uh, people brought like a football, a rugby ball, frisbee, this other random game that I have no idea, it just involved it throwing sticks at other wooden blocks. Oh um, yeah, I yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and like all the ages were getting involved and we, you know, and in that we were kind of chatting and, you know, and I'm thinking back to, to my childhood and again, being part of a smaller church and, and having those people who, like you were saying earlier, we, we called auntie, even though they weren't our, our yeah. aunties. And, you know, but, but, but these people who'd been faithfully following Jesus and loving Jesus for, for decade upon decade upon decade. Remember this lady, Auntie Mary, who you know was in her eighties when um, uh, and we were in the same church together, and you could look at her and say, "You've you know you've you've gone the distance with Jesus, uh, and, and I want to learn. I want to learn from you." And obviously, it works the way. I'm sure you know that young people have loads to offer to to the rest of the church family as well. And you were you were talking about drumming. Uh, I think it's a good, good reminder actually to think you know what what can we um, what can we get our young people involved with? You know, what, what we don't have to wait for them to be 18, 19, 20. Well, if the, if the Lord's given them gifts and skills by his spirit, let's see them being worked out in the, in the church family. And One of the lovely things I've inherited here at St. Barnabas is that the previous kind of person in charge of music and now the current one both had a real vision for how do we get like, uh, not just like a youth band, that's kind of a startup, but saying we want the youth band so that they can be part of the regular band so we'll have them on and we'll let them do a youth band because that gets them to level up to the mm. point where they're playing with the regular one because then they're engaging with the rest of the people there and that's great for us and like as much as obviously it'd be great if all our music was like wonderfully perfectly mixed and sounded amazing but like the the joy of a church actually i'm not sure it would be great the joy of a church is to have this like here's people joining in and they're a bit out of tune and and that one there and you don't want like disharmony, but you yeah. kind of want to have the, the church as a whole singing and joining in and stuff like that. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. I've got a, a, couple, a couple of other questions, Mark. And, and one's just on, I mean, you talked earlier about the importance of the home and the, and the meal table. Um, talk to us a bit about how, how families and parents in particular can, um, can you know, disciple kids. And, and what, what do you see as the relationship there between the church, the, the wider church family and the particular, you know, parents uh, and families in the church. I mean, I struggle with this because I'd love to know there's a way of like knowing this and explaining it to other people. And I think perhaps this is my wife and I's personality that we're very like kind of ad hoc, we'll do things as they come for people. We're not like super regimented in terms of this is our, our, our diary. That's just how we've always lived. Um, so maybe there's a way that always works for everyone, but what we currently like think this 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 seems to be good for us is we're in the morning we're trying to say like a really abridged morning prayer, like proper Church of England, like you know, Lord open our lips, so mouth shall show forth thy praise, that sort of thing. Because the kids can learn the response. Liturgy is quite fun with children because they can learn how to say it. Um yeah, so I said the other day, oh, well, we should let us praise the Lord. And my daughter replied, thanks be to God, because that's like kind of the response that she's, she's just, and she wasn't, I think, thinking to try and show off. It's just, they learn these responses. Um, anyway, literally really good with children. You should use more of it. Um, but I think with families, it's, try, it's trying to make this atmosphere, of, it's okay to talk about the Bible and God and things aren't embarrassing or it's a bit awkward. It's just like, you just read stories. Um, and in one sense, it's a place 
for making the Bible stories operate like other stories. That I think sometimes you have like reading time, which is your Roald Dahls and your Julia Donaldson's, and then you have Bible reading time, which is like a separate kind of, the Bible's a separate sort of book. And it is, right? The Bible is inspired, it's the word of God, inspired by the Holy Spirit. Julia Donaldson is lovely, but she's not, you know, inspired by the Holy Spirit as far as I can work out. <laughs> But in terms of you go, it's still like a, a book you pick up and read. And like, it's a story that you hear and it's exciting and it's fun and it tells you and thrills you because it's stories of heroes and Jesus is the true hero and the rest of it. So kind of making that just a thing that's not like the special book you bring down from the shelf, but just another normal book. It's not a normal book, but it's that kind of, you know, this is a book that we can read and enjoy. And so therefore, just as like I say, oh, can we read this Bible story as we are? Can we read this, you know, uh, I don't know, whatever, Judy Donaldson. Story I love Julia Dance. Paper great. Dolls, that's a great one. So, sorry? <laughs> Paper Dolls, that's a great yeah, one. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah but I, I think, again, the, the normality of, of just talking about God and Jesus. Um, again, I've read some research. Oh, I should have looked up beforehand. Sorry, this is a terrible citation. I think it's in Ken DeCreasy Dean, who's an American uh, like youth missiologist, researcher kind of person. Um, talks about like having parents who are just open about their faith and they see it in practice so they see parents like praying with people or having to go around the house or reading the bible or whatever that is it's just a normal thing that goes on that it's not particularly kind of like this is a occasional affair and stuff like that mm -hmm. so yes yeah, so the hearts that, that, that houses that look like that sort of thing and then when people come around and i find it's still embarrassing like saying grace they're like oh these people come around for dinner and not Christians, but we're going to say grace because we all say grace. We kind of have to say grace now. But that's a good thing to do, that we just say grace at dinner time. That's that's fine. Um, I'm not sure the theological significance of why you say grace at dinner time and not at, like, bath time or, you know, <laughs> bed time. I am really grateful for my it's bed. We don't say, thank you, Lord, for this comfy bed. We just kind of, <laughs> there we go. <laughs> but that's great, Margaret. So really you're saying, actually, you know, as parents, if we're parents, we we, we live the ordinary life in front of our kids and catch them up in it. Yeah, I think I'm saying something like that, actually. Um, you know, what's the verse? Like, actually, it's like live a quiet life, isn't it? There's that sort of line in a, I should have cited this beforehand. But it's like, actually, there's something Christians do intentionally. When I was a teenager, there were often these kind of things of like, I'm going to be a history maker, I'm going to change the world. Mm -hmm. and, and I love that godly ambition going, yeah, we want to, change the world and do things differently but there's also a sense in which you can just live like a fairly quiet life you can have your job you can you know pray with your kids talk to them about jesus go to church and the lord will do with that what he wills maybe he'll give you lots of exciting things to do in your life but maybe actually just doing that life that's okay that you don't have to be like a, a missionary to wherever it is or set up this chance doing this it's okay to kind of you know i pray with my kids we read the bible together we go to church we talk about jesus we have people around for dinner we pay our taxes, we go to work, you know, we vote in elections. That really that mundane stuff. Go, yeah, that's good. That's kind of actually that's that that's world changing. Absolutely. Yeah. I completely agree with you on that. And like we're we're working through the book of Colossians at church at the oh, moment. Glory. Yeah, and it, and it's it making that exact point that you know, Paul prays, well, he thanks God at the beginning of, of, of chapter one uh, for this church because they trust in Jesus, they love one another, yeah. so it kind of springs up from the hope they have in the gospel. And then he says, like, I, 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 and he says, he's thankful that this, this gospel is like bearing fruit in them and around the world. And that phrase bearing fruit, it kind of takes uh, back uh, to Genesis, doesn't yeah. it? It's like God's original vision for humanity is, you know, bear fruit, multiply, join me in building this universe 
And I think Paul's in, in Colossians is one and say, yeah, that Jesus who, who made that first creation and called us to bear, bear fruit, he's remaking the world. He's making this new creation and it's bearing fruit through the gospel in the church. And it's interesting that uh, later on in, uh, in, in the letter, the things that he picks up on in chapter three are like uh, marriage, parenting, work, again, all things that resonate with those early chapters yeah. of Genesis. But it is kind of like the ordinary and the everyday. But I, I think that Paul sort of is connecting that with this, this original God's yeah. original vision for humanity uh, to, to build the universe with him. So I agree, man. We're on the I'm always um, like say loath to throw more things at parents. Say, oh, you should also be doing this, that, and the other. Like, I, in one sense, I'm like, surely following Jesus, obeying like his commands should, in one sense, I'm really careful with this, make life easier. And I don't mean like free of persecution, because obviously that's that's Jesus. The opposite will happen. But like you're you're going with how God has created the world. So like the whole thing of people go, oh, kids are really difficult. They're hard work. They're a nightmare. They're all this stuff. And again, I don't want to like diminish like there are difficult times with children, but surely that sense of which actually we, we are trying to enculturate Jesus in our households and our lives, and we're talking about this should be a thing that makes your kind of parenting journey in your household a a sweeter, mm. happier, easier place. Again, that's not to diminish the idea that it's it's hard being a christian and work being a christian is hard like toiling away at prayer or whatever that is those things are things that are you know that that, that are tough and just promise persecution but it, it feels like say oh you've become a christian now parenting is going to be trickier i want to say no now it's like you've got you know you we, we're going like with the flow of how god has designed the world we're going in his power this surely should be easier and, and yeah mm -hmm. That's, that's really helpful, Mark, and I, I think that's uh, an encouragement. Like to those of us who are parents, um, that parenting is is something that God's called us to, and and it will require us, won't it, to say no to some other things. You know, if we're if we're if we're if we're not married and we don't have kids, we've got other, you know, those people have other opportunities for the kingdom, some wonderful opportunities. But those of us who are married and have kids. Those children, discipling those children is a key thing that the Lord mm. is calling us to, right? Yeah, and so many, I think, um, you look at some of the historical Christian greats, you know, actually it's like undone by the fact they neglected their, their wives and children. Mm. And you think that's a terrible legacy to kind of say, oh, we did all this great work, but then you didn't care for your own sort of household. Wouldn't it, you know, in one sense, it wouldn't, uh, wouldn't it have been better if you just actually looked after your, your wife and kids and, and then done the stuff after that? Absolutely. And, and, and in Paul, Paul, when he's thinking about church leadership, it's like, you've got to manage your own household. If you can't yeah. do that, then you're going to be able to manage a, a church family. Yeah, I, I like, I also just want to flag your point about like liturgy and kids. And I think that's really helpful. And building in those times in the day where you're coming together to pray together, to read the word together. And even to say some of these set prayers, I think you're absolutely right. I mean, we, we've been learning well, we pray the Lord's Prayer every day as a church family, and our, even our yeah. little one-year-old joins in with Amen and uh, shakes her head with, lead us not into temptation. <laughs> she doesn't say the words yet. I was doing a talk for some students a few months ago where I tried to make the case that um, M Mr. Tumble 
episodes and show why liturgy is important uh, for children. And I, I stand by that point. I just think I pitched it wrong. <laughs> it wasn't the best illustration to use. You made Mr. Tumble someone to exemplify. And if you've ever watched anything with Mr. Tumble in it, I don't think. Exactly, exactly. Oh, dear. But it's yeah. interesting, isn't it, with kids where, like, you know, Mr. Tumble will say a line and they repeat it. Yeah. Or, or, they, or they, you know, they'll say, what's inside Mr. Tumble's spotty bag and all the you know our kids they'll, just, they'll say it along with him there's a clear pattern to the show that the kids get anyway I'm, I'm, I'm going no on but it's 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 part of that like how do you train your children and and I don't think I think it, it's good to have that call and response sense it's like trying to inculturate that in their hearts and minds not that it's said without thinking I think that's a that's often the criticism and that can be the case you can just you know, and I've been guilty of that sitting through a communion service and basically I can say the responses by rote because I'm not actually dwelling on the death and resurrection of Christ for us. Mm. But it's still like actually getting those things into um, your heart and, and actually being able to say those. So when you, know, you can pray those things yeah. and like our children will make, you know, if you know, we actually have gone astray, they'll go bad at the end of it because it's funny. But that does help them remember that actually we are like sheep and we need a good shepherd. I've, it, at the other end of the age spectrum, when I've visited old people in hospital, it's amazing how many times if you start praying the Lord's Prayer, they will just join in. And you have to switch mm -hmm. to the, obviously, the old version too. But it's because that's been in their heads for so long. And so much probably the liturgy too, you can say, and they will know the responses because they've done that. And they grew up, especially the old generation, they grew up having to say those things often in school as well as in church. So they know kind of morning prayer from the BCP. But that stays with them. Even with dementia patients, it comes back and they can kind of repeat these things. Huh. So it's useful. Amazing, amazing. Mark, I know you've got to go in a moment. I, just, just one question that I think would be really helpful for, for me and for those listening. What, what, what's your sense of some of the challenges that young people and, and children are facing right now that we should, as, as church families, be aware of as we're seeking to disciple them and disciple one another? I mean, the immediate access to like the internet and everything that goes on there and just therefore, it's the same thing I think I was saying about Facebook groups of adults and it's not Facebook with young people necessarily, but it's having those groups and spaces that will say lots and lots of things to them and, and teach them to speak in a certain way. Like when you have a group of people who gather together, they all start to kind of think in a similar manner. That's kind of just how groups work. And perhaps... You know, when we were teenagers or younger, then those groups would be an in-person thing and you have like the goths hanging out in one area or the skater kids and that kind of attitude to permeate that sort of stuff. But now those places are obviously moved online and those spaces therefore can be quite like dangerous because they can be having all kinds of anti-Christian liturgy, not, not explicitly anti-Christian necessarily, but just speak of the world in a way that isn't true, that is against how God's created the world, against the gospel true way of viewing the world. And then because this can happen sort of invisibly, you can't like invite your friends from Tumblr or TikTok round the house for, for coffee or for, you know, and one of the things that was good that my parents did was have, allow me to have my friends around, which meant that they knew who they were, but you can't do that so much there. So I think that's a, a thing and how parents respond to that, whether through education or limiting insects, all that kind of stuff, or just showing that actually we have a better way of seeing the world and a better, you know, inculturate in our hearts, like a, a better imagination of what's good. Can I say, actually, here's this, this greater vision of, of, of the world because Jesus is Lord, and that's a really good thing. And to try and get this, this deep seated imagination. So, when another view is presented, they go, that's not as good, actually, as the Christian gospel. 
So I think that's one. And the other thing is, obviously, all the stuff around sexuality and gender, it's just hard to stay actually you know, the, what the Bible says that, you know, traditional view that marriage is, sex is made for marriage and marriage between a man and a woman. Mm. That's almost, um, not impossible, but immediately you say that there's, there's problems. Not in every culture, I should be clear, like in, in white middle class one, definitely, obviously if you're with more immigrants or with um, Muslim background people, it's not an issue so much, but it's just the idea of saying that can just lead to immediate, well, you're basically a horrible, horrible person. So it's not so much that you're weird for thinking sex saved marriage, but that you're actively evil for saying such a thing. And that's a challenge for, you know, like most people, children, teenagers want to be liked. And, and younger children are growing up with just that as part and parcel of this is what we're talking about the world so it's very young saying well some people think you can do this but as we think the bible teaches this or the bible teaches this and that's fine and once it's helpful it, as a christian identity formation sets of young but it's hard to have those conversations and the older you get the more it becomes a well you're evil for thinking those things you know you're just that's just abhorrent isn't it so you know it's it's i think that's the change since i've been a teenager not that i was wrong for thinking that sex was safe for marriage you know, that's people think you know, that was always thought of being wrong, but now it's thought of as being evil, and that's the change, I think. Mm, absolutely. Mark, thank you. I'm sure there's, there's plenty of other things we could talk about as well, but actually, those two, 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 two points are really important and helpful. And I think really show the need for what we've been talking about uh, the need for these communities of uh, people gathered around Jesus, lifting Jesus up to one another. Um, and learning to see God, the world, and ourselves through the light of Jesus and his gospel. Mark, thank you so much for pleasure, Sam. And, and taking this time. Really appreciate it. We enjoyed it. Good chat. Great stuff. And thank you for those who've been listening in. I hope this has been helpful. And do tune in for another conversation uh, in the near future. Thanks very much. <laughs>